Hey everyone, welcome back to my podcast, Anatomy and Physiology Bit by Bit. This is your host, Dr. Steve Sullivan from Bucks County Community College, just outside of Philadelphia, PA. Uh, I'm glad you're back. Uh, I want to talk about today's episode first, just to let you know that we are going to be getting the skeletal system today. Uh, we're going to do a few episodes on the skeletal system. We'll start with a an overview of the topic of the of the organ system. Then we'll move into the cells and the tissues of the skeletal system, and then we'll get into bones and joints and all that good stuff. So, uh, so that's how we're going to take the skeletal system for the next few episodes. It's a pretty big bunch of chapters, typically in a two-semester A&P book, three chapters to cover the skeletal system. So we're going to get at that. But first, I want to go over uh, an email that I got recently since the integumentary system episodes. And this email comes from Julie, and she takes A&P at Ivy Tech Community College of Indiana. So she's in that big Ivy Tech system out there in the Midwest. And her question was, well, actually, let's read her whole email. So it's pretty short. Um, Hi, Dr. Sullivan. Thank you for putting this podcast out there. It's been really helpful. First off, how's your cat? Well, my cat's very good, actually. Um, He's still not put all of his weight back on since having his thyroid gland radiated. But, uh, But he's getting there. Still begging for food a lot, but he's pretty healthy and We've been happy with that procedure. So thank you for asking. And then she says, what is keratinization? Well, that's a good question because I don't really think that I covered that too deeply in the episodes on the integumentary system. So um, so let's, let's talk about that real quick. So first off, it's important to know what keratin is. Uh, keratin is a fibrous protein and it is produced by the cells of the epidermis. So the cells of the epidermis synthesize keratin inside the epidermal cells. And then what happens through keratinization is that those cells become filled with the keratin protein filaments. And that causes the cells to die and they get get really hard and rigid and tough and they become resistant to abrasions and traumas and things like that. And then that keratin actually becomes not only the dry fibrous protein on the surface of your skin, but it also becomes your nails and your hair. And in other animals, it becomes things like feathers and horns and claws and hooves So that's what keratin ends up being, and keratinization is the production of that keratin by the epidermal cells. So that's a good question. Uh, Thank you so much for bringing up that question. Sorry I didn't cover that uh, in the episodes, but hey, better late than never, right? Okay, so thank you so much, Julia from Indiana. I'm sorry, Julie from Indiana. So I think that the uh, next thing I want to mention is that appropriate for starting the skeletal system is recently we had a situation in my house where we had to address the skeletal system. And that came in the form of my older son, who is 13, uh, fracturing his elbow snowboarding. So uh, he had a small fracture of the medial epicondyle of his humerus, which basically, for those of you who don't know yet, 
that's the funny bone area. So that bone on the inside of your elbow, which we sometimes call the funny bone, uh, that has a small fracture in it. So he needed to get a cast for about four weeks, and uh, he's expected to be totally fine. It's a small fracture. It's stable, no moving parts, no surgery or anything like that needed. And um, since he's also a drummer, um, his orthopedist said he can begin drumming as soon as the cast is off so he can get back to his, his music. So, yeah, I've never fractured anything in all of my years, and I've done a lot of sports, and um, I've had back injuries, and I've had tendonitis in my shoulder and elbow and ankle, and I've had uh, dislocated fingers and things like that. I've never fractured anything. So my 13-year-old beat me to the punch. But he's doing great, and uh, he's going to be fine. Still has a cast on for now. So it's kind of interesting that we're starting the skeletal chapter. We're going to start off, like I said, with an overview of the skeletal system. I've pre-recorded some tight modules uh, that I'm introducing here now, so you might notice a little bit of a difference in the, the way I'm talking and uh, in the sound quality. I think it works out well because it really puts it in a tight little package. Okay, so uh, why don't we go ahead and do that? Skeletal system. Here we go. skeletal system is centered around bones. These bones are made of connective tissue called osseous tissue, and the study of bones is called osteology. So when you see or hear the prefix osteo, you should think of bones. In addition to being responsible for our supportive internal framework, giving our body its shape and holding other tissues like organs, muscles, and teeth in place, the skeletal system has several other functions as well. Let's consider those. It functions in protection. Think of the skull, which contains our brain and sense organs, or the vertebral column, where you'll find our spinal cord. The rib cage contains the heart and lungs, and the pelvis, which helps to protect our reproductive organs. And inside many of our bones is blood cell producing bone marrow. These organs and soft tissues are vital to our survival and they're susceptible to injury in our daily lives. The hard matrix of osseous tissue makes it so our brain is always wearing its own helmet and our internal organs have their very own armor. Many of our bones have skeletal muscles attached to them. When these muscles contract, the bones move in the places where they connect to other bones, which are called joints. The movement of those joints allows us to roam around the world as ambulatory beings. It also allows us to breathe, chew, and talk. Tiny bones in the ears vibrate in response to sound waves striking our eardrums. These vibrations cause waves of fluid in the ear's sense organs, and that allows us to perceive those vibrations as sound. The properties of osseous tissue are due in part to the presence of the minerals calcium and phosphorus. These minerals are not only utilized in the composition of osseous tissue, but are also important in the transmission of nerve signals, muscle contraction, and a component of our ATP, our body's energy currency. Calcium and phosphate can be released from the osseous tissue of our bones and into the bloodstream when needed, and they can be deposited back into the bones in times of excess. In a sense, the skeletal system stores these minerals for when our bodies need them. When the body's fluids get too acidic, 
meaning the pH is lower than the normal level of approximately 7.4, our proteins are in danger of denaturation. That means they lose their structure and function as their three-dimensional shapes begin to break down. Since phosphate is alkaline, its release buffers acids that may be building up in the body's fluids. Conversely, if the body's pH level gets too high, absorbing more phosphate pulls the alkaline from the blood, and that lowers the pH back toward normal. Bone marrow is the soft tissue found in between the osseous tissue on the inside of a bone. Red blood cells, white blood cells, and platelets, which are collectively known as the blood's formed elements, are all derived from stem cells found in the red bone marrow. Now most bone marrow in children is red bone marrow, but in adults, much of that red bone marrow is converted to yellow bone marrow, which is comprised mostly of adipose tissue. The average adult human skeleton has 206 individual bones. Many of these bones are paired and found bilaterally, like the humerus of the upper arm or the femur of the thigh. Still others are found in even higher numbers. For example, there are five metacarpals in the palm of each hand and 56 phalanges found in the fingers and toes. Children are born with more than 206 bones because some bones are separated into parts while we're still growing. Those parts eventually fuse together on our way to adulthood. The bones are divided into two divisions, the axial skeleton and the appendicular skeleton. The bones of the axial skeleton are found among the long center axis of the body and include the skull, spine, ribs, and sternum. The bones of the appendicular skeleton are found in our appendages, which are otherwise known as the pectoral girdle and upper limb, and the pelvic girdle and lower limb. The pectoral girdle is our shoulder region, and it consists of the scapula and the clavicle. The upper limb is the humerus of the upper arm, the radius and ulna of the forearm, the carpal bones of the wrist, the metacarpals of the hand, and the phalanges of the fingers. The pelvic girdle refers to the hip bone. The lower limb is the femur of the thigh, the patella of the kneecap, the tibia and fibula of the lower leg, the tarsals of the ankle, metatarsals of the foot, and the phalanges of the toes. Since osseous tissue is connective tissue, it consists of cells and an extracellular matrix. That extracellular matrix is made of collagen fibers and a hard, calcified ground substance. Let's discuss the cells first. There are four cells that can be found in osseous tissue. They are osteogenic cells, osteoblasts, osteocytes, and osteoclasts. Osteogenic cells are the stem cells of bones. They develop from embryonic mesenchyme which is a gelatinous tissue that arises from the mesodermal germ layer during embryonic development. Osteogenic cells differentiate into osteoblasts. Osteoblasts are found beneath the periosteum and the endosteum. These are the cells that secrete the organic portion of the matrix of osseous tissue, which consists of collagen fibers and several protein-carbohydrate complexes. 
such as proteoglycans, glycosaminoglycans, and glycoproteins. This organic material makes up about one-third of the matrix of osseous tissue. The remaining two-thirds is the hard, crystallized, inorganic materials, most of which is a calcium phosphate salt called hydroxyapatite. This is what gives bones their sturdiness, so our bodies can remain upright against gravity and support all the soft tissues that attach to them. The organic component allows for flexibility, which makes bones strong without being brittle. The ability to bend a little means the bone doesn't fracture from the smallest amount of force applied from one side. Rather, the collagen fibers embedded in the hardened materials resist the tensile forces and hold the minerals together. Without the organic material, the bones could fracture from everyday activities like running or stepping off a high curb. And without the crystallized hydroxyapatite, bones would be too soft. They'd bend and bow from the simple weight-bearing of being upright. As the osseous matrix hardens, the osteoblasts become trapped in their own secretions, at which time they develop into cells called osteocytes. Each osteocyte occupies a space within the osseous tissue called a lacuna. The plural of lacuna is pronounced lacuni. Each lacuna is connected to other lacuni by tiny canals called canaliculi. The osteocytes are the shape of the spaces they occupy, which includes not only the lacuna, but also the canaliculi. Since canaliculi connect lacuni to each other, the cytoplasm of an osteocyte extends into the canaliculi and comes in contact with the cytoplasm of neighboring osteocytes. This relationship allows osteocytes to exchange nutrients, waste products, and chemical messengers with each other via gap junctions in their plasma membranes. The last of these osseous cells we'll discuss are called osteoclasts. Osteoclasts do not arise from osteogenic cells the way osteoblasts and osteocytes do. They develop from the stem cells in the bone marrow that also give rise to our white blood cells. Osteoclasts are much larger than other osseous cells because several stem cells come together to form just one osteoclast. That makes them larger and multinuclear. Osteoclasts are also well-equipped with lysosomes, the organelles that contain digestive enzymes for breaking down tissues. These lysosomes contribute to the main function of osteoclasts, which is to resorb osseous matrix. Resorb means it breaks down the bone tissue and releases the minerals from the tissue into the blood's plasma. Osteoclasts are typically found along the bone surface with a smooth side adjacent to the periosteum and a ruffled border adjacent to the osseous tissue of the bone. This ruffled border, which looks kind of like the business end of a hairbrush, increases the cell's surface area to maximize its capacity for secretion of the digestive enzymes that break down the mineralized bone matrix. Cells of osseous tissue play an important role in the way our bones resist the stress of weight-bearing. As we move our skeleton, the flow of cytosol in the osteocytes moves around within the lacunae and canaliculi. This fluid movement stimulates sensors in the osteocytes, 
causing the release of chemical signals that let the body know what kind of physical stresses are being placed on the bones by our daily activities. In order to remodel the bones so that they can withstand those activities, osteoclasts correctly resorb existing mineralized matrix, and osteoblasts deposit new matrix in a pattern that can do just that. This process is known as Wolf's Law, and it makes our bones as strong as they can be by remodeling the pattern of spongy and compact bone. This is how we respond to weight-bearing activity, and this is why a lack of weight-bearing activity could cause a loss in bone density. Okay, thanks again to Julie from Indiana for your question on the integumentary system, specifically keratinization, the production of keratin. And thank all of you for listening. We are going to get into the difference between compact bone and spongy bone in the next episode. And then we'll also talk about mineral homeostasis and bone remodeling and all kinds of good stuff when it comes to the skeletal system. So I hope you have enjoyed this. hope you learned something. Good luck on your next A&P exam. I'll talk to you next time. Hey, everyone. Don't forget to check out my YouTube channel, Student Help for AP. That's student number four, AP. There's lots of tutor videos on there that I think could really help you. And I also have an Instagram account and a Twitter feed with the same name. Please also don't forget to rate this podcast and review it if you possibly can. Anatomy and Physiology Bit by Bit is a production of Minus 55 Media, with a special thanks to Bucks County Community College and my family.